and welcome to Labors in the Harvest with Kevin Folger. This podcast is a weekly conversation about the gospel and the work that God is doing through those who labor for him. Kevin Folger, your host, is a man with over four decades of ministry experience. For 41 years, he served on the pastoral staff of Cleveland Baptist Church in Cleveland, Ohio. He currently serves as a North America Director of Spiritual Leadership Asia, a ministry that assists those endeavoring to preach the gospel and plant Baptist churches in the 1040 window with a particular focus on Asia. Now here's Kevin with this week's Labors in the Harvest podcast. Labors in the Harvest podcast. This is Kevin Folger, your host. We're grateful that you joined us today for this next uh, edition of Labors in the Harvest podcast. Last week, if you were with us, you may remember we were having a conversation with Dr. Charles Keene in regards to his life and ministry. Dr. Keene is a fascinating individual. We're grateful that we've had the opportunity to have a conversation with him about life and uh, God's working in his life. And uh, today we're going to learn a little bit about uh, the next step of his life and pastoring there in Milford and how uh, Bearing Precious Seed Ministry got started under his leadership there and how it's expanded through the years. I think you'll find today's uh, podcast very interesting. So let's set back and let's listen to the second part of our conversation with Dr. Charles Keene on Labors in the Harvest podcast. Dr. Keene, thank you for being back with me on Labors in the Harvest podcast today. And it was a joy to talk to you last week in regards to God working your life, your salvation, and taking you to Bible college. So we kind of finished up, and you're, you were just finishing Bible college, and you just headed out to Milford, Ohio. So uh, you got there in 1964, and the church was kind of in a, in a slump. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they'd had some problems. In fact, it was a problem-ridden church, and the local pastors didn't want their preacher boys to candidate at it. Okay. Oh, that's why I got it, because I didn't know that. <laughs> and they didn't have much option. I didn't either. <laughs> so, 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 how long were you there uh, before you know you started thinking and getting burdened for the idea of printing Bibles through a ministry called Bearing Precious Seed? Uh, I got the burden in 1973. Okay, from a man named Don Fraser, who uh, explained to me that needing the Bible back under the authority of the local church and mm. and. Uh, take a responsibility of producing it for, for God's people and quit having to go to the world to get it. Uh, and so I, that sounded reasonable to me. Uh, so we, we started printing the Bible just for our own people. Uh, and then God, uh, you know, Kevin, people think I'm, that I had a great vision. I really didn't have a great vision. Uh, I had a vision for, for us. And then God gave me a leadership, to do it for somebody else. I just kind of walked through the doors as he opened them up. Mm-hmm. Of course, now it's a worldwide ministry, but it, it didn't start out that way, uh, but God took it that way. Yeah. So that name, Bearing Precious Seed, is that something that you was original with you? Well, no, it was original with Don Frazier. Okay. It was in Psalms 126.6, mm-hmm. where they went forth bearing precious seed. Right. Um, weeping. And uh, we adopted that name for our ministry. Out of that very precious seed ministry, we started another ministry called First Bible International, mm-hmm. which is what I'm now working with, which has to do with uh, getting people their first Bible. Right. 
Okay. So um, when we, we start uh, talking about bearing precious seed and it's uh, infancy, you mentioned that you started printing Bibles just basically for your own people and then it kind of expanded. So uh, how did you start as far as a, just, a, just a simple printing press? Uh, how'd that work? Well, when we got the vision to do it and the burden to do it, we bought us a, a little press called the Multilift 1250. And it's real small. It's just one step up from a big, <laughs> real small press. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but then we've got a, a little bigger press to print the whole Bible on. And uh, a good Christian man that I know that had a large print shop, I was excited about it and telling him what we was going to do. And he said, uh, boys, you can't do that on that kind of equipment. Well, we'd already done 500. I didn't, so I didn't say anything to him, but anyway, and as we, as the ministry grew, the equipment grew, and now we have two large presses that we, we're just putting in a press that'll print a million whole Bibles a year. Really? Hmm. And the other, and, and we just, now, you know, I, I don't want to be like David and brag on numbers, but uh, we just passed the 200 million uh, Bible printing mark. Wow. Uh, hmm. And the strange thing about that, Kevin, is um, God has a sense of humor. I think he does. You know, I I cannot write cursive. I was never taught to write cursive. I, I couldn't write one sentence in cursive. I can write my name, mm -hmm. and obviously, and I print and other things, but and I use typewriter, but I can't write cursive. And yet God let, let me be a part of a ministry that printed the 200 million Bibles. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> That's amazing. So as you started, it's, did how, talk a little bit about the miracles. I mean, there had to be some miracles along the way of, you know, God giving you people, God giving you presses, things like that. So let's talk a little bit about that. The, I think there are miracles in three or four areas. One is God sent people. Mm -hmm. I believe a sacrifice uh, gets the attention of God. Mm -hmm. And uh, I believe faith gets the attention of God. And so when, when we started this, uh, he sent men to some just for a little while to help us get started or some for a longer time. He sent one man to us who had run his hands through a, a, a printing press at the local newspaper. And he's all gnarled, like a terrible looking. He couldn't do anything, but he says on a stump, on, on a stool and told us how to do it. And wow. so he told us, God, God sent one man just to teach us how to, uh, have a, a, a printing in inventory. And, mm. and uh, so he sent us a lot of men. Now we have, he sent us one man who's a tremendous skilled printer who was just driving down the road. And, and for some reason he, he discovered us. So God sent us the men uh, that, and has been as we need them. And, mm -hmm. and then God gave us the equipment. We just bought the press that, uh, we have two presses that cost over a million dollars each new we didn't call them that and they're paid for i mean we bought them paid for but uh we bought one press just recently that uh, they printed the sword on mm -hmm. uh, the lord on and it was almost new only mm -hmm. had didn't have many impressions and they paid over a million dollars for it we we got it for one hundred and fifty thousand. Wow. god used the money so god brought the equipment and then god had, I can't tell you, Kevin, how God has brought us people like you and, and the, your church and Peter and other good churches to fund it. We couldn't fund all this. Sure. Yeah. And it's, it's been on a, a debt-free uh, premise. We, we, we don't buy anything 
one in debt. We don't win debt, but um, one one man just gave us a hundred thousand dollars, and one just gave us one hundred thirty-seven thousand dollars, and and you know it's, it's unbelievable. Sure. And and one man gave us a million dollars to build a warehouse, and um, you know, and I I'm just letting my light shine. Mm-hmm. Uh, God did. Uh, and can you imagine how much money we've spent on a hundred on two hundred million? How much paper money we've spent on two hundred million dollars of them, and it's all paid for. Then yeah. you have to ship those Bibles, sure. and most of them are given free. Yeah, uh, it, yeah. It, it's a, it, it's well, the ministry that I'm involved with, uh, you know, um, Spiritual Leadership Asia. When we had our big conference in 2018, I raised the money to send over a container of uh, of scriptures that Bearing Precious Seed provided free of charge. Yeah. Of course, we paid the ch- shipping costs, but, you know, those those type of things. And then, of course, out of there, you know, we had all these different people and they were taking that literature and going every direction with it. So, man, I mean, just think about the the seed that is sown, you know, what a what a tremendous ministry that God has given through the years. Can I tell you what God gave us that really expanded our ministry? We have a ministry called Seed Line. Have you heard about that? Yes, we have one at our church here. Oh, great. Yeah. We, we had these big presses far more than we could process in our church mm-hmm. and one day I, one day i realized that pepsi cola only has a few bottling plants mm-hmm. but they have many outlets mm-hmm. called fast food restaurants see? Mm-hmm. so uh, i thought well i'm going to print these i'm going to get cleveland baptist church be an outlet for me and mm-hmm. and hundreds of other churches in america and so now we're able to really spread it after we print it because we have a lot of team work to do that right well, our folks love that ministry, uh, you know, specifically our senior saints, you know, they, they're not able to get out and knock doors like they used to, but they can all go to the church and help with the assembly uh, of that scripture collation and then the, the stapling and then the cutting and the boxing. It, it's yeah. a marvelous ministry. Our folks love it. Can I tell you this? We don't, uh, I didn't want our work to become a factory. Mm-hmm. And we've got a, we've got, we have factory size equipment. I see. And we, but I want it to be a ministry, not a factory. Mm-hmm. And the own church still does seed line. Mm-hmm. And it, it, because they love it, they talk about it, they bring their food, they eat, you know, and, mm-hmm. and it, it just gives them a real feeling of worth. I yes, think. Sir. Yeah. I think if I recall uh, the statistics properly, that when we send uh, like a John and Romans to the mission field, that that particular Bible be touched by seven different individuals, uh, that they will perhaps see it, read it, and be uh, used of God in their life. Is that a pretty correct statistic? We have been told by two different organizations that for every Bible we put on the field, it will be read in some part by seven different people. Yeah. And if shown how one of the seven, as an average, will get saved. Mm. Now, I'm not saying that I can prove that. I'm just saying right. that's what I've been told. Yes, sir. Well, that's a, that's a marvelous thing for sure. So out of that then progresses the next step of bearing precious seed. Um, and that is first Bible. And, uh, and, and so the idea of that is a burden to get the, the, the Bible translated, published and put in place in countries that currently have not had a, a copy of God's word. Is that correct? That's correct. All right. Uh, first Bible international is my heart. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, when I was a seven-year-old boy, I rode a bus in the Akron Baptist Temple, went to Sunday school to a man named Mr. Brunton, who had a large class of, of ordinary boys, and all of them, most of them had a Bible, but my brother and I, we didn't have any, and we said to our dad, would you buy us two Bibles? And he said, no, I won't. He wasn't against us having a Bible, but he thought if we'd earn it for ourselves, we'd think more of it, and so we went out and gathered scrap, 
and went to Mrs. Alice Wright with our money uh, and said, we want to buy two Bibles. And she sold us more Bible than we had money, I know. And she said, well, boys, what kind do you want? Well, I had no idea there's an option. And we said, we don't know, but you know, the guy next to us had a zipper on his. And if you have me those, we'll take two. And so we bought our first Bibles. My grandson still has my first Bible. Wow. And, and so I just, I've always had a burden for the Bible. Even when I wouldn't save Kevin, I had a reverence for the Bible. Yeah. Uh, when God saved me, uh, he just, I've always had a heart. So when I found out half world didn't have a Bible and nobody was doing anything about it, uh, God said, well, in this need seen an assignment given, so why don't you do something about it? Well, <laughs> I tried to. So make that statement again, a, see, a, a need seen is an assignment given. Is that what you said? Yeah, a need seen is an assignment given. You take that too far, obviously, but sure. God has a way of showing you if that assignment is for you, doesn't he? Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So uh, I know that uh, there's been another step here in the last year or two there at uh, First Bible, and that is the School of Linguistics. So let's talk a little bit about that. What it, how, how's that working, and, and how did that develop? Well, when I found out that the, the, the Bible did, wasn't in half the world, then I found out it's because there's no translation of it. Mm -hmm. So I thought, I'll go to the, all these big schools and get me find me a translator. Now, I say this kindly, but there was no school, including my own, that was training Bible translators. Mm -hmm. And so we wrestled with that for years. And finally, we started a school of Bible translation. And, and, and Kevin, this is a bona fide postgraduate school. You have to have, you have to have a, ma a, a bachelor's degree to get in. Right. You have to have a master's degree to teach in it. And, it, 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 I mean, it, 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 and it's wonderful. But so we started it. Uh, and we probably, God has sent enough money. We probably have it funded for five years. Oh, that's wonderful. Don't tell, don't tell them I said that because they, you know, they need to, but we have it funded. We, we, we were praying for, they were praying for six students. I was praying for 12 and I think we have 32. Wow. Uh, <laughs> that, and that's on, in, on campus, online, yeah. you know, it's not, they're not, on, not on campus, but there's, th there's two of them that are international students. We already have about 30 applications for next year. Wow. And uh, is it a two-year program or is it uh, less well, than that? It, it, It's a three or four-year program, depending. Okay. After, after you get your bachelor's degree, mm -hmm. uh, then we have two to three years on campus. Okay. And then uh, we may have a fourth year on the field. Okay. Where, where we take them out of the classroom and put them in some foreign field, one of our missionaries. Yeah. So part of the issues that's a, that are at play sometimes in getting a Bible in a person's language is the fact that sometimes there are places that don't have a written language. So there's a process that's involved. They, they graduate from this school. You send, uh, they get burdened for a particular people group, and then they have to go there, learn the language, and then put it into some kind of written form. Is that correct? And then begin the process of translating from the original languages, from the Texas Receptus, into the, the language of the people. Yeah. Is that correct? That's exactly right. Um, right now, we're working in Mongolia. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a translation team of four in Mongolia. And we have a translation office. We have two print, shop, two print shops, and we have four translators. And we are almost through the whole Bible. Wow. We believe we, we, we're translating. We believe it will be press ready in uh, 2023. Mm. To my knowledge, I'm praying I live on to see that too, and I'm serious, but uh, 
there's just that'd be the first whole Bible ever translated by a local church in fundamentalism. Wow. And part of my is that some of these places don't have something, mm-hmm. but uh, well, you know, I'm a TR man. That's all I can tell you. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you that, um, you know, as I'm out and about, and one of the things I do, and I preach a message in re- regards to, you know, uh, obviously reaching the world, but part of reaching the world is reaching people that don't have a Bible. And the statistics are staggering. Only 698 people in the uh, 698 languages in the world have an entire Bible. And uh, so we're so blessed as English speaking people. We don't even realize how blessed we are, you know? So, you know, and here's what I learned. I really am not in the Bible printing. I know everybody thinks I am, mm-hmm. but I'm in church planting. Yes, sir. You cannot plant a church without the word of God in the mother tongue mm-hmm. of the people you're giving it to called the receptor nation. Sure. So uh, we've learned, and, and though some men have built great churches on the mission field that are Americans, uh, an American or a foreigner cannot evangelize a nation. He can build a church, but he can't evangelize a nation. It takes a national with the word of God in their mother tongue mm-hmm. to evangelize a nation. That's why we started this Mongolian Bible college to train Mongolians at two levels. We're going to train. There are some Mongolians that are educated and they're cultured and they're like you and I mm-hmm. in the city of Ulaanbaatar. But now in the, in the Gobi Desert, they're pagan and uh, they're very pagan. So they, they have to be reached by a different kind of a pastor. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yes, so we're trying to train church planners on two levels. Yes, and you know, Kevin, I, I know I'm just rattling on here, but you know, God, I asked God, why do you put me in Mongolia? It's only three, three million people. There's seven cities in the, in the world bigger than Mongolia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know what he showed me? Mongolia borders on two billion people. Wow. So from Mongolia, we're like, David, we can hurl stones to those big Goliaths. Uh, and Mongolia is an easy uh, uh, border crossing place because it's small, you know. Right. There's a lot of reasons that God knew I didn't know when I went there. And, you know, I when I went there, I met the president. Mm-hmm. And you know what he said to me? I, I told him what I was going to do. He had just led a, a revolt against communism. And he said, we're trying to make this a democracy, Dr. King. And he said... Uh, what better book to teach? He said, he said, and you can't have a democracy without morals. Wow. <laughs> said, what, a, what better book to teach our people morals than your Christian Bible? Now, he wasn't a Christian. He's a Buddhist. But your Christian Bible, he was educated in uh, Harvard. He said, so I'm going to help you get in. And he, he did. He helped me get in. Wow. That's amazing. Well, let's kind of wrap this up today if we can. And uh, let me just ask you to just kind of give a word of challenge to someone who may be listening today, who, you know, they're thinking about, you know, maybe God's got something for me. Um, what, what would you say to someone like that as a man who's for decades now served the Lord and, and walked the path and, and uh, seen God do some great things? Well, I think that you shouldn't, we shouldn't write ourselves off because we're not college educated or because we don't have all the credentials god uh they were ignorant men but they'd been with jesus so i think god can use us at wherever we are to do whatever he wants us to do and uh, i just believe that god calls enough people in every generation to evangelize that generation and i believe he makes enough funds available to do it so why are we so short on workers because we've disqualified ourselves and and i just wish we'd all be open to his will for our lives however look look where you've gone from where you started and and 
know, it's I, a journey. <laughs> we we yeah. call it we call it a journey. Um, this uh, for those who may be listening who may have a, a little bit of interest in the school of uh, translation. Uh, can you just give us a, a little bit of uh, how, how would they contact uh, you folks there? Uh, would they contact First Baptist Milford? We have a web page, okay. either the church or the school, either one, and we have information we could uh, send to them and, okay. and uh, make them aware of what we're doing, how we're doing it, why we're doing it, and I think the quality of what we're doing. Yeah. Well, I think that that's the wave where we are. If if uh, we're we're close to the end of G, to Jesus coming, no question about it. But we're not we're to occupy till He comes, and I, and I'm convinced that Asia, uh, where you are, Mongolia and, and Asia, is an area where God is at work in powerful ways. And maybe one last sweeping movement of God before the return of Jesus Christ that would be awesome to be a part of it, wouldn't it? Oh, here here's a strange, wonderful part. The 1040 window is where both Judaism and Christianity started. Right. Now we're going to give yes, it back sir. To him. Full circle for full circle. Yeah. Well, Dr. Keene, thank you for joining me today. I sure appreciate your friendship and appreciate the vision that God's given to you. And it's our prayer that God will continue to bless you and Miss Mary and give you years of health and strength and that you'll see that project completed. That'd be awesome. Well, you're an encouragement to us. So God bless you, Kevin. Yes, sir. Right. Thank you so very much. Well, thanks for joining us today. Well, I hope you've enjoyed the last couple of weeks as we've had a conversation with Dr. Charles Keene in regards to his life and ministry as God has led him and guided and directed him through the years, specifically now in these latter years, dealing with a ministry called First Bible and the idea, of course, of getting the scriptures to folks who don't have a copy of God's Word in their language. And uh, perhaps you have an interest in that. And if you'd like more information, uh, the website is First Bible. Just run the word first and Bible together and .net firstbible.net, and you can visit that website and get information about what Dr. Keene is doing. And if you have an interest in the School of Translation, I'm sure there's information there as well. well. I want to say thank you for being a listener, whether this is your first time or you've been with us every time, uh, to Labors in the Harvest podcast. We appreciate you and want to encourage you in your journey as you seek to serve the Lord. And if this uh, ministry has been a help to you, please let us know about that. That would be great. Visit the website, kevinfolger.com. And there's information about how you can contact us and reach out to us. We sure would love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening today. And may God bless you as you seek to serve the Lord and become a laborer in his harvest. Thanks for listening. We hope that you've been encouraged by today's podcast. If you've been helped, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Please feel free to leave us a comment and or a rating. If you'd like more information about Kevin Folger, please visit his website, kevinfolger.com. We invite you to join us next time with more conversations with Kevin and his guests as they tell their story of being laborers in the harvest. Mm-hmm.